0: Welcome, baseball fans, to episode 17 of the Banish to the Pen podcast, the audio component of the website Banish to the Pen, a group baseball blog produced by fans of the Effectively Wild podcast. I am your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the baron of all baseball podcasts. This week, I am excited to be joined by two members of the Banish to the Pen clan and both returning guests to the podcast. Andrew Patrick, and Matt Trueblood. Guess there's no R.I.P. Matt on this Banish to the Pen podcast. Andrew and Matt, say hello to the internet.
1: Hi. Hey, everybody.
0: It's good to welcome you guys back. I'm glad to see that Matt has made a return appearance after his new uh, adventure at uh, Baseball Perspectives, which he's been representing us so well and uh, kicking ass and taking names. So, uh, Matt, I'm glad to have you back. And, Andrew, it's, uh, it's always good to talk to you and uh, talk a little baseball
1: definitely yeah i'm excited to be back well
0: i'm glad to have you both back this week because uh we're now what about two weeks into the baseball season depends on when everybody's listening to this and uh i think it's been a pretty interesting you know and unique start to the uh season we've got some teams overachieving certainly we got some players overachieving and we got some nice storylines so i'm glad to have you guys in here tonight to uh help me break this down and uh you know, see where we stand after about 15 games on the schedule. So, first place I want to start with you guys is the New York Mets. Break up the Mets, 10-3. Uh, and three. Uh, I don't know quite how they're doing it, which I think is maybe the uh, question to ask and uh, put to the table. So, uh, let me start with Matt. We'll start with Matt. Why not welcome you back? And uh, just kind of let's start talking New York Mets. How are they doing this?
2: Sure. Uh, I mean – Mostly, they're doing it because most teams can do most things over 13 games. <laughs> um, but obviously, this isn't this isn't a bad team. It's not a team that you would necessarily expect not to be able to win 10 out of 13 at some point in the season. Um, I don't know. I don't know how much of a fair shake they were getting coming into the year. The Marlins were everyone's favorite uh, NL East sleeper. You know, a couple of Lunatic mainstream guys picked him to go to the World Series, but (laughs) the Mets, everyone sort of glossed over, and I think it was very exciting that Matt Harvey's back, but oh, what a shame Zach Wheeler's hurt, and maybe people just didn't know what to do with him. Uh, It's sort of a strangely shaped roster, you know, with old guys anchoring the middle of the lineup, young pitchers, you know, in the rotation, we kind of... I've gotten used to the reverse of that on most good teams. Um,
0: That's a but great point.
2: That's you know, a they, great they've point. come out killing it. Harvey looks great. Uh, Jake DeGrom looks great. And There's something sustainable here, but obviously, obviously there are a lot of interesting things that are going to have to come back regression-wise, and then the injuries that have cropped up for him are a major problem.
0: Yeah, Andrew, your thoughts, uh, both with what Matt said and kind of your thoughts on the Mets as well, because uh, I'd love to hear your take. I mean, the key to
1: their, their success is obviously Bartolo Colon, both on the mound and at, at the at the plate.
0: That, that's a given. <laughs> that's a given. I mean, that's what that goes without saying. Um, but, you know, he has
1: looked really good, and, you know, I remember as an ace, uh, you know, when he anchored the ace rotation, uh, that when Bartolo Colon is really good, you know, he he can really deal Um and there's been a lot of, I mean, a lot of their, some of their success at, uh, on on the offensive side is, you know, like you said, it's a small sample size. There's a couple crazy babbips like uh, Kadair that are really, you know, that are really keeping the stats up. But you know, it's pretty good production from all over the plate. Ruben Tejada uh, has quietly, you know, uh, been walking a ton and you know keeping things up. Uh, and I think the fan base is starting to get really excited. I saw a funny Twitter exchange where one of the ESPN accounts was talking about the the some of the best uh, good fielding plays made, and uh, Mets fans were outraged that Juan Lagares was not on any of those lists. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm like, well, that's a good sign. At least Mets fans are starting to engage, and and you know, maybe they're they're believing in their team. And you know, I think a good. Um a good, a good Nets team, you know, maybe as the, uh, you know, rising up, you know, for a little bit in the NL East, That's that could be uh, a lot of fun for the game. They have a lot of exciting players, so it should be good. Yeah.
0: Well, and help me guys, because the Nats fandom in me may be clouding my judgment a little bit, so I want you guys to kind of handle the question, but how sustainable, and, and I think Matt, you used that word, is how sustainable is... The Mets and I mean ten and three is not going to continue. They're not going to play whatever it is, seven hundred baseball. But what do you guys think long term? I mean, we're seeing now uh Darno is hurt or hurt his hand today, I believe. Wright's mm. been banged up. Obviously Wheeler got hurt early in the season. We saw their closer, Mejia is suspended for half the season. Uh so on the surface it looks like it shouldn't be sustainable, but like you guys both say, they've got some young pitching, they got some talent. What do you guys think? Sustainable or not? Is this a mirage, or is this, uh, you know, is this uh, something that can be uh, a real thing?
2: The answer to this kind of question is almost always some of both, and in this case, it's definitely some of both. Um,
0: we can't have you so wishy-washy. Come on, man! You got to take one. Side well, no, <laughs> I, no, it was a lousy yeah, question. You know, I well, know uh, what you're
2: saying. We can carve out how much of each it is. I think by you know. Uh, baseball prospectus, you know, we have the playoff odds and we have uh Dakota projected standings. And at the beginning of the year, we had the Mets down for about 83 wins, 82 or 83. And we were giving them a 40 ish percent chance of making the playoffs. They're going to wake up tomorrow with that number well into the fifties uh, in terms of total playoff odds. And at a 10 and three stretch, matters you know this is almost 10 percent of their season in which they've significantly outplayed what we'd expect but we were still probably expecting a seven and six team so we're talking about obviously we're talking about a, a small sample of games and they're going to come back to the pack in a lot of ways uh the marlins even started to get to matt harvey today i think you're going to see uh the rotation get a little less dominant as the year goes on uh, just because they're not this good they can't possibly be uh but they're they're not a bad team and like i said if you came in expecting them to be a little over 500 and they bank 10 wins in 13 games they're very real wild card contenders at this point and whether they're more than that might depend more on the nationals than on them but uh if we were hoping or, you know, if anyone was expecting that they'd kind of fade out of the picture because of the wheeler thing and the Mejia thing, uh, even with the injuries that have cropped up, I think we can probably rule that out just based on, again, 10 wins in the books through two weeks.
0: Well, and another factor that you just kind of touched on was, you know, the Marlins, I believe, sit at three and 10. And if we yeah. wanted to say they were at least the main wild card competition, and I don't want to speak for the Nationals like they were given, but, it seemed like it was the marlins or the mets were kind of the hot pick, you know, in the NL East like you alluded to. All of a sudden they've got a gigantic lead on the marlins. Even though it's a small sample as we're saying, that also has to help them with their playoff chances. I mean, that's got to be some factor or, you know, some small part in there as well and and the marlins have injury issues as well.
2: Yeah, the marlins are going to be pushed down, you know, they're going to be in the teens in terms of total playoff odds. Um at this point I think the mets are competing if we're talking about the wild card and isolating that they're competing a lot more with the Cubs and with the Padres than with Miami, but that's sort of just cause they threw a knockout punch and the Marlins went down these first couple weeks. So
0: well put mm-hmm. Andrew, any other thoughts?
1: Yeah. You know, the, it's not a total illusion. It's not like you look at, at their, you know, their first and second, third order winning percentage. And it's just a completely different story. They're still first in the NL East and in all those categories, And I always try to look at at, when I look at, you know, take a look at the stats page. I look at, you know, who's, are there, is everybody overperforming? Is everybody on the offense absolutely hitting? And that's not the case. Like you said, David Wright's out, uh, but Daniel Murphy has given them nothing. Curtis Granderson has given them almost nothing. Uh, Juan Ligaris hasn't given them much at at, at the plate. And um, so uh, those three, you know, I mean, Ligaris not so much, but, you know, the other two, Uh, are certainly due for regression in the positive. Um, And, you know, I feel uh, the pitching staff is going to regress a little bit. You know, I don't think John Neese is going to carry a 1.5 ERA all year. Um, But Dylan G will give them a little better than what they're doing. And DeGrom, Harvey, and Cologne are a a pretty good, you know, 1-2-3 that I think are uh, sustainable, not to this level, but certainly sustainable to be a respectable, you know, 1-2-3. So... And like you said, you know, having ten and three in the books means, you know, is a is a great start. You can't take those wins away from them. Uh, so, you know, if they can if they can go five hundred the rest of the year, and then, you know, that's obviously a wild card right there. So,
0: yeah, that's a great great point, guys. So, uh, I, I guess final question before we wrap up on the Mets is, I, I'm going to hold you guys to a projected win total. Now that we know they're ten and three, they've played thirteen games. How many wins do they end up with?
2: Andrew, you want to go first?
1: I'll say 87. Ooh, okay.
2: Yeah, I think that's probably right about right. Uh, if we were pegging them for maybe 83 at the start of the year, and they've probably gotten three wins off of that already. Um, I'll Yeah, I'll say 87 too. I actually think the number could be a bit lower. But what I'm allowing for here is the possibility that (laughs) – stop me if you've heard this before. They'll trade for a shortstop. (laughs) It's not a Wilmer Flores thing because I think Wilmer Flores probably got a bum rap and probably can hack it as a major league shortstop if he needs to. But I wonder if with David Wright down, if they want to press the gas right now and say we've got a 10-3 start in hand, we've got not that young or sexy a core – Maybe we go for it here. What they could do is trade for a shortstop, slide Flores to third. Then when Wright gets back, if Daniel Murphy hasn't figured things out, or even if he has because he's a terrible defender at second base, you put Wright at third, you slide Flores back to short, and that new shortstop to second, or Flores to second, and leave that new shortstop B, depending on who you acquire. I kind of think sandy old alderson's finally going to come out of his shell and press that red button if he doesn't i think the mets are going to come up a little bit short but it's i feel like this is his time so i'm going to say 87 or 88 and yeah they might just make it into the no in wild card game
0: all right i'm gonna go with, i'm gonna go with 84 guys i'm gonna be a little lower on them uh, maybe it's the Nats fan in me, maybe it's just watching this collection of Mets teams for the last few years for too many, but uh, I'm going to, I had a more at 500 beginning of the year, so I am definitely appreciating this start, but uh, I'm going to take the pessimistic view on this one. So,
1: And let me just say that, that the, the shortstop market could be pretty decent, you know, like you know, what if, you know, the Cubs decide everybody is ready and they want to trade Starlin Castro and, you know, they put Addison Russell in there or you know I know we've been saying this for years but what if Tulo's healthy and there's two and Tulo's <laughs> on the trade market you know if they had yeah. if they had Tulo on that team then forget it
0: so. yeah we've heard the name Andrews a bunch too whether or not he's a huge upgrade or not you can debate but that's mm-hmm. another name like you say there are, there are definitely some names out there that could be gotten i guess is the way to put it so yeah mm-hmm. all right guys uh, shifting off the Mets, i want to transition to uh, something that's happened this weekend uh, and Andrew definitely had the, I think, the best view of it, so to speak, if we want to talk about it that way on the on the show, of the three of us. So, uh, Oakland and Kansas City had uh, fireworks, maybe is the way to put it, or uh, I don't know the best way to put it. So, Andrew, I'm going to give you the floor to explain for those that don't know what happened this weekend and to kind of just get the ball rolling.
1: Sure. I'll try to be brief because there are a lot of events to cover, but uh, basically in game one of the Royals and A's, There was a funky play with uh, Laurie on first base and uh, there was kind of a hot shot up the middle, bounces off the pitcher's glove, ground ball goes to the left side, there's a late throw to second, Laurie does a late slide with his spikes a little bit up, he hits Alcides Escobar uh, and Escobar is out of the game uh, with a, he turns out he's not all that banged up, he's got a left knee contusion so he's out for the series but he'll be back sometime this week. there was a lot of drama uh, with Larry uh, claiming he texted Escobar after getting his number from Hosmer. Uh, he said with this long apology saying I would never try to hurt anybody. Uh, and then uh, he ended up showing his phone to Susan Celester, the writer uh, to prove it. Uh, Escobar on the other hand says, I never got a text. Uh, and he showed his phone to the Royals PR people who also said, looks like you didn't get a text. So then uh, in the second game, the A's are up 5 nothing. Ventura throws at Laurie. He immediately gets tossed. There's benches, all this stuff. Uh, but then today, further exasperating the situation was that the uh, Scott Kasmir in the first inning hits Lorenzo Cain in the foot. Uh, both benches get warned. Uh, Yost and the Royals pitching coach are incensed that they're getting warned for this, and no one from the A's got tossed. They end up getting tossed. Uh, and then in the seventh or the eighth, uh Kelvin Herrera throws, throws at without hitting, uh, throws at Laurie twice. He kind of throws inside and then throws behind him at 100 miles an hour. Herrera gets tossed. Uh, while leaving the park, he makes this weird gesture towards his head while pointing at Laurie. Uh, there's a lot of theories about what he meant. Uh, everyone's wondering about his suspension now. Wakamatsu, the ace bench coach, who's the acting manager, also gets tossed at that point. Uh so it w- it was very strange, you know, and um to kind of kick off the discussion was that, you know, um I I personally had always thought that, you know, KCE seemed like a great place to visit. Uh it seems like a cool baseball town. And uh there was but uh I'm kinda learning that, you know, that I feel like there's that baseball fans in some sense, you know, there's always sections of baseball fans everywhere that uh, you know, that are condoning actions like this and part of the game and you shouldn't have slid. You know, with a speed up first, Uh, but uh, you know, at at the end of the day, you know that there's there's still always this same mindset of we have to defend our guys and we have to defend our our players. Uh, That's kind of the ugly side of baseball. And uh, I'm curious if you guys have any opinions on uh, either end of it, or you know what you think about uh, you know the reactions of both teams or anything.
0: Matt, go ahead.
1: Okay, I have a great many opinions and. I try
2: not to have that many opinions when Beanball Wars break out because I I kind of want to say a pox on both your houses. It Beanball Wars are usually a reminder to me that there are hardly any baseball players I'd actually like as guys. Uh, which I don't like. You know that makes me really uncomfortable because I love baseball and I love watching them play. I love all the elements of it. When I see elements of these people's personalities, I tend to go, "Oh god." <laughs> so usually I end up kind of throwing up my hands you know this guy annoys me as much as this guy the Royals come out looking awful here I I did not think well let me let me make a general statement I think most uh, complaining about things that people consider dirty slides is needless whining um, it's you're playing professional sports. The guy's going to slide in the most strategic way possible. If he's coming in Ty Cobb style, you know, with a, a foot jackknifed into the air, seeing if he can slice you open, fine. I have not have never seen that on a ball diamond as long as I've been alive. And Brett Laurie definitely didn't do it to Alcides Escobar. So the Royals had zero beef. As, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care how late a guy slides. He slides to break up a double play. He slides to try and knock the ball loose so he can be safe. I'm fine with either one. So, I think, at right there, shut up and play baseball. They didn't. Ventura throws at Lari. It was his third at bat, and he threw at him right after having given up a three-run homer, which is pretty cowardly, pretty stupid. And, by the way, like Calvin Herrera, Jordano Ventura throws pretty hard, and... There's something grossly, sickly, psychotically imbalanced about trying to avenge a slide into a guy's knee by throwing a baseball that might hit a guy in the head at 100 miles an hour. It's stupid. But again, the, the bench is kind of empty. There was nothing in these fights, by the way. We should mention this. When the bench is cleared, there was nothing that actually happened that shouldn't have <laughs> exacerbated the issue, right? They come out, they kind of mill around. Billy Butler looks really torn, and they keep zooming in on his face, and you feel sad because you can tell that he's <laughs> he is upset with the Royals, but he doesn't want to be upset with the Royals. And he feels a little tug of loyalty to the Royals, but also, hey, why are you throwing at my guy? It all could have been over so many times. And then <laughs> they throw... Maybe Casimir was throwing at Lorenzo Cain. Situationally, I think he was. Mechanically, watching the play, I don't think so. So, I'm torn there. But they really could have let it go. (laughs) That basically just evened the score, except in the Royals' confused little minds. So then, Yost throws a temper tantrum. Dave Island throws a temper tantrum from the bench. Now the ejections are racking up, so it just feels like something else has to happen so that the Royals can, I don't know, focus on playing baseball again. And so Kelvin Herrera has to try and nearly kill Brett Laurie. I And then again, Laurie walks to first base as the bench is half-heartedly empty because the A's are so incredulous that the Royals are still throwing this fit and still trying to escalate this needless conflict that they don't even have the heart to go and punch somebody. It was, it was terrible. It was a zoo. And the fact that Royals fans in the park were just going nuts for everything the Royals did and backing them up all the way, and that Eric Hosmer was, like, bouncing on his toes the rest of the game because he got such a high off of watching one of his players, you know, try to maim somebody. There's nothing positive about this for the Kansas City Royals. They look like
1: clowns. Just terrible. Yeah, you I, know, it, it's funny going into this. I just uh, I read for the first time, you uh, know, article on the Hardball Times that came out a couple months ago about how he it was an article about how he was a kind of a sabermetrician in the clubhouse and how he uh, alienated and almost bullied. He felt by, you know, Hosmer and Moustakas and a couple of those other guys. Uh, and this I read about that. And, and, you know, when you brought up the fact that most baseball players seem insufferable, uh, I also think about uh, there's a book, God Save the Fan, by Will Leach. And that's kind of the – it has the same uh, thesis, which is if you were to meet your favorite athlete in person, you would not like them and they would not like you. Uh, and, yeah, this, this just kind of reminds me of that. It's that, you know, um, that in, – and in, you have to remember that in this world that – even though you know we 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 idealize baseball to some sense, and 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 we're all some of us are all about the numbers and the analysis. This is still a game played by guys with uh, that are trained to you know have this otherworldly level of confidence and stubbornness that would lead them to to think that things like this are okay. Um, and then when you're right, with, when push comes to shove, it's the most generic baseball fight ever. You have the the one guy who's completely uninvolved, you know, going crazy. In this case, it was Craig Gentry screaming his, his, his lungs out. You have the, the bullpens that kind of like half empty. And then later they fully empty. And then like nothing happens when it actually comes to the point of like, wait a minute, are we really going to, to throw a punch or something? Um, because at the end of the day, it's just baseball. And for some reason, we tolerate a little bit of aggressiveness, but not full-blown aggressiveness because this is still the beautiful game. So I don't know. It's just, it's all strange to me. (laughs) I I would
0: like to jump in and just make one distinction. I I think that maybe we wouldn't like the athletes inside the lines or during the game. I I think there's a distinction because I've got to say, I've met a lot of athletes outside the play, particularly baseball players, just, you know, the way uh, doing interviews and such. And I've really never met a bad guy now, small sample size on that too. But I've talked to, (laughs) you know, 50 Mm. to 75, a hundred baseball players, you know, Fortunately, over the years, and I really have not had a bad experience. I will say this, I, I'm not sticking up for them in between the lines and all this was nonsense, but I do think there's a distinction between their persona when they put on a uniform and perhaps when you see them having their dinner with their family. The, the And that's just a small, you know, quirk. The other question I wanted to ask you guys is, who the hell is the manager for Kansas City after the pitching coach, the manager, and the bench coaches is, is – kicked out of the game I mean who's the next one is it the third base coach is it the hitting coach
1: I think it's the speaker of the house <laughs>
0: <laughs> right I mean you know it's like the one person who doesn't show up to the state of the union I mean it's like who, who on earth is left
2: it was in practice it was Dale Swaim uh he's there wow who is it right.
0: I, I mean I'm I a the Cubs name, fan so I, I
2: should be able to pronounce the man's name since he managed them for two years Dale Swaim Um, is their hitting coach and is a former manager. So he was their manager by the end of the game. Well, I'm
0: glad that at least answers that question because I was legitimately trying to figure out if the bench coach or the bullpen coach was running in from, you know, right field to come in and manage.
2: Yeah, a little part of you is hoping that by the end of the game it's Dayton Moore (laughs) or that it's Eric Hosmer because that would have been the best.
0: Sal Perez might have been fun too. Yeah, we'd have
2: settled some things at that point.
0: You know, we just can go with a player manager, guys. Don't worry about this. We got it, coach.
2: I mean, this really is, Andrew, I I think you, yeah, you grabbed it right at the end of the last thing you were saying. If your blood's really boiled by this, if somebody really got upset about it, just go and have the fight. (laughs) It was so terrible watching them go out, mill around, look at each other, kind of allow themselves to be held back by an umpire who didn't hold me back hold me back
0: yeah when the guy's twice your size no no hold me back don't let him near me don't let him near me
2: right <laughs> and i'm not advocating fighting but look honestly there's less danger in throwing a few roundhouses than there is in throwing 100 miles an hour at somebody's rib cage so let's do the first one get it out of our system and go back to playing like every other sport does Baseball, watching these fights is always terrible. This might have been the worst one I've seen.
0: Yeah, I I was at a game this weekend and saw a pitcher take a line drive off the face, and just the idea of it in, in reverse on purpose, and to see that man yeah. being ambulanced off a field is uh, it, it's a scary thing, and and I just don't know how they can be so callous about it. If you you know hitting somebody in the foot's one thing, it's not going to kill you, but when you start getting up you know, anywhere near a man's chest, it's not far from his head and, yeah. you know, Giancarlo you, Stanton can, almost Can you imagine how disastrous
1: that would be if, like, yeah, he did hit Larry and there was some serious injury? Like, not just for Laurie's career, but the game of baseball would just, you know, suffer immutably. I mean, how close <laughs> were
0: we to never seeing Giancarlo Stanton play baseball again? And how, how yep. sad would that have been? And that wasn't even on purpose and God, how sad was that? Imagine if you put it on your head that you had done that on purpose and ended a man's career. I mean, I do think,
2: at least at this point in the—evolution's <clears throat> the wrong word, but let's use evolution—of the game, that we're—I think those, those beatings in the head that terrify you, and the air just goes out of the ballpark for a few minutes, I wonder if it's almost impossible for those to happen when there's intent at this point. When you see it, you see it because— there was no reason for this guy to expect that the pitcher was even coming inside on him, let alone up and in. And so he's kind of, you know, he's already starting his swing. Reaction time's a little slow, and, and he gets clocked. I tend to think that Brett Larry's up there, even if it's just in the very back of his mind, thinking something might be coming at me. Um, so I don't, I think it's less likely to happen in that situation than in General with a pitcher who you know throws inside, but but give me a, it's let me still you, just it's so irresponsible. But, it's just
0: right. I mean, let me give you the alternative: you miss his head, but you hit his hand, and he's out for the season because you break right. his wrist. Well, and we've and seen you didn't that, I and mean, I don't, and that I don't think that's,
2: that's documented that's at this point. But,
0: but that's my point is: is if you're trying to hit somebody in the chest, you're or you know in the back, you're not far from being able to knock a guy out for the season, and you know you're starting to mess with the guy's livelihood at that point. I mean, if you miss a yeah. season, what what is this? He's not going to make as much money next year. He's not going to make as much money in 3 years probably. It's a very- Sammy
2: Sosa lost the end of his lost the last month and a half of his 96 season to uh being I don't know. I don't know how firmly we've documented it, but as I look back at the record and the news stories from the time, pretty clear to me it was intentional. And uh I mean he had 40 homers. It was August 13th and he got knocked out for the year. So it's it's needless, and it's cowardly in its way, and it's just passive-aggressive.
0: And, and one final point I'd like to make. Basically, the fans who are paying the ticket price are the ones that eventually lose because you're taking good players off the field if you start yeah. screwing around with injuries yeah. well, and stuff. And so basically, the only people that lose are the ones that are paying the tickets. So the whole thing seems child beyond childish to me, and it seems like you're spiting the ones that you're kind of working for indirectly. So,
2: Right. Anything?
0: Anything else that we need to club uh, Kansas City for before we move on, guys?
1: Um, I'll just say one thing. I, it, I do wonder in situations like this if five years down the road they're going to finally implement the high school slide rule. Um, you know, if like you know, if you if you in high school they it's like last year they or two years ago they implemented the high school slide rule into home plate, which is you can't truck somebody. Uh, and the high school slide rule in in uh, second bases if you do a takeout slide it's an automatic double play um, it's it's I don't know it's just one of those things where it's it's I always think about how baseball is such a, a non-contact sport except in these couple instances when you could destroy somebody uh, so I, I wonder if there's going to be a situation like this where somebody really gets wrecked on a, on, a, on, a, on a bad slide and they just and that kind of sets the, the wheels in motion to finally, you know, take out the, the, the
0: takeout slide. Well, this is probably another topic for another day. And, and where does the healthy and good, clean slide end? And where does the dangerous slide begin? So,
1: mm. Yeah.
0: But uh, that's, we'll, we'll dive into that next time Matt's on and next time you're on, Andrew. Well, uh, that's a whole other subject for another day. So. Mm. But I do want to talk about a little lighter, if we can, uh, the man known as Carter Caps. Uh kinda took over the GIF or the GIF world. I'll never figure out which way to pronounce that this week. Uh, uh he's got the most unique pitching motion I think I've seen in a long time. Uh I don't know who which one of you guys wants to start, but I, I just want to talk Carter Caps because I can't believe what, what he's doing is A, legal and B that he can maintain balance what he's doing. Uh Matt, Andrew, whoever wants to take the floor with Matt or, or with <laughs> pardon me, with Carter. Uh, go ahead and get started.
2: Well, uh, sure.
1: Oh, go ahead, Matt. No, you go. All right, yeah. So, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I guess we could do the first segment of uh, Banished for the pen watch video during the podcast. but uh, <laughs> Sam would be uh,
0: so, so proud of us. <laughs> Godfather. Uh, Godfather but, I mean, the,
1: the gist of it is that he, you know, he does this little hop, as he's about to uh, finish his motion. And when you watch the image, it looks like it almost looks like, the, like there's an animation cell of him on top of a mound, and they just kind of take it and move it to the left about a foot. Um, and it causes him to get another foot of, uh, you know, of forward motion, I guess. Um, it reminds me and- of a
0: bunny hop, like in gym class, when you used to hear that term, you know, way back when we were kids. I mean, it, it's like a foot to foot and a half, he jumps. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, and it's it, it just kind of – it's one of those things where you, you – uh, I remember on the Effectively Wild podcast, actually, when they were talking on Friday about the general managers and the kind of accepted level of cheating. Uh, this kind of seems like that, you know, and that, you know, this, this is illegal. Like, the definition of illegal pitch in the official baseball rule says, a pitch delivered to the batter when the pitcher does not have his pivot foot in contact with the pitcher's plate. Uh, but you know it's kind of your definition of delivered is delivered when you throw the ball is it when you start to your delivery uh, and he's just kind of right along that line he takes this jump forward and that gets him a little bit you know so it's not to the point that it's that he's doing anything amazing he's not you know the next year old is Chapman because he he's added a a foot you know taking a foot off his delivery but You look and the thing looks so dang crazy and unbalanced that it doesn't look like this is something that anybody can do because he literally jumps forward while maintaining all of the other parts of a pitching motion. Um, I don't know. Do you guys think we'll see this more in the future? I I
0: mean, just looking at the gif or the gif, it looks like somebody's screwing with you, like somebody is cutting it in half and then jumping it later on. It's extraordinary to see if you can find it on you know YouTube or wherever it is. I mean, find it because it's. You won't believe it. It took me a few times to actually confirm with people that it was legitimate because I can't believe that he could jump. I mean, it's a legitimate foot and a half and still keep his balance and throw a pitch to home plate.
2: Yeah, it's it's very strange. And it's, it's actually not even just his legs that are weird. What I couldn't get over every time I watched it was he, like, Brings the ball down yeah. and basically has it <laughs> knocking against his thigh until much later in the delivery than could possibly be normal. I, <laughs> there, it's yeah. an impossible delivery to read. I think it's probably going to prove ultimately also impossible to control, and he's going to, you know. There's a reason that Carter Caps has been around for a few years now and hasn't uh, turned into anything dominating. Maybe he manages to make this work but i i suspect it'll be a curiosity that passes kind of quickly but it's yeah i think andrew you struck the right chord in, in the way that it's it's so interesting why why we allow it you know why it's why it is considered legal or at least close enough to legal to go on um i don't know it I'm I'm a guy who wishes they called traveling more in the NBA. So (laughs) I personally, I don't need Carter Capps. I if he does flame out and go back to the minor leagues, I won't miss him. But it's it's so interesting. It's just watching it is
0: fascinating. It it it, it, bears
2: no resemblance to actual pitching, but it's (laughs) whatever you want to call it. It's cool.
0: Yeah, Matt, for me, it's like I, I go back to the old Anchorman line. I'm like, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Like I, <laughs> yes. I want Carter Capps to stick <laughs> yes. around just so I can see him try to pull this off. I mean, he had no absolutely any control when he was throwing it quasi-normally. Now he's hopping and throwing around and jumping in the air. I mean, I want this to continue just to see if it can work and if it's sustainable. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing to me. I don't want them to stop him at all. I, I, I'm loving every minute of Carter Capps.
2: No, yeah, let him let him keep going. I think he's gonna, you know, like I said, I, my prediction is he flames out. But I'm a curmudgeon. Um, I do, I just think it's it's insane, and I don't know. Like I said, the arm path gets really weird. He might be giving back as much extension in his pitching motion as he's getting from actually sliding forward.
0: That's a great point. That's but a great it feels point.
2: like, and yeah, we. We should find a way to measure this. Because he's a huge
0: guy. I mean, he's six or six seven. I mean, he's or six 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 seven. He's a monster guy. Like you say, he really he may not be giving up that much extension.
2: Right. Well, yeah. And if he's still getting as much extension as he was when he was pitching normally, it's insane where he's essentially pitching from at this point.
0: All right. Put up the Um, BP bat signal. We need Doug Thorburn
1: quickly. (laughs) Yes, we do. It's true.
0: I'm telling you, that's got to be a col- his next column is just putting those two side by side. Him in like two years ago and today. And if he could find yeah. a Harwich video from the Cape, that would be amazing as
1: well. <laughs> I do find it ironic that his, his number one comparable pa- player on his baseball perspectives page is Kelvin Herrera. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> that's what it says. Not- <laughs> Herrera,
2: doesn't he <laughs> do that same thing with his hand? Bring it down really low behind him at the start of the delivery?
0: Yes, he definitely has a bad arm stab. Absolutely, in the first yeah third of his motion. Weird, like when he maybe picks Kelvin up Herrera
2: lift. needs to start sliding forward several feet before he fires the ball at Brett Larry.
0: Maybe he should just <laughs> he should skip his way through his delivery. <laughs> yeah, uh,
2: give him a head start toward the dugout after he gets tossed.
0: I, I need a Carter Cap jersey. I, I absolutely maybe with a Sonoma uh, <laughs> Stomper shirt on the front, but and then caps on the back. I mean, that would be the greatest. So yeah. <laughs> all right, guys, um, I, I kind of want to transition off of Carter Caps again, and uh, I want to pick Matt's brain a little bit about his new job at Baseball Perspectives. Oh I know we're all know uh, very proud of him at Banished to the Pen that he, I, I guess, got the call up, if that's fair to say, and uh, to Baseball Perspectives. Uh, I-, I know Andrew and I were uh, kind of peppering you a little bit off air, but uh, what has the difference been both kind of writing-wise and your experience with – the audience if if I can use that term in air quotes, uh since moving from you know banish to the pen and the other stuff you were doing now to baseball prospectus,
2: sure, well, first of all, with the writing, uh, the best thing about it is not feeling like I can do anything I mean, I think I can Sam has never actually waved me off of any story I've wanted to write there, Godfather, but. It is, uh, there are guys who do a lot of things better than I can do them. You know, a lot of stories crop up and I go, there's no way I can write this as well as Chris Crawford can write it. No way I can write this as well as Doug Thorburn or Russell Carlton can write it. Um, So I'm more free to say what's happening in the news, what in my skill set might allow me to address it well and you know, what's the interesting part of this that I can break down that I might be able to do better than anyone else who's who's around to do it.
0: And, uh, and Matt, can I jump in? I'm sorry, but uh, we just used the example of Carter Caps. I mean, is that something where you would write an email to Doug and say, hey, Doug, I've got an idea that I think you could knock out of the park kind of thing? I mean, does that go on behind the scenes?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, not I, using that I example, been... but
0: just hypothetical or whatever.
2: Right. I haven't been in that loop forever you know it's been about six weeks I've been over there and I don't want to speak too much to everyone's process but there's been a lot of email swapping a lot of people drawing drawing on other people's brains and you know sending a survey through the crowd hey can you find me examples of this you know is there uh, I'm thinking about writing this can anyone think of a good logical way to refute it something like that Uh, so yeah there's, there's a lot of shared info there um and it is you know i've there are a couple of things that i've started to write and kind of run into walls and i wrote a piece about run expectancy and how it's really cratered with two outs uh the last year or two by the way that
0: was a terrific tremendous piece everybody should go read it if they can i don't know if it's behind a paywall or not but that was absolutely outstanding
2: yeah it's really interesting and i didn't I didn't know what to make of it at first. So I sent it to Russell. He kind of said, well, it's not the most surprising thing just based on the shape of, of what's happened across the league with OBP going down and everything. But as I dug into it more, I was able to see, okay, here's what I think is happening. So then I bounced it off Sam, who bounced it off some other people. And, you know, and the end product of that story was a lot better because I had first a couple of sounding boards, people to go through who maybe have a better sense of how the, the numbers work and then the logic works and then just a good editor is worth its weight in gold. And, uh, you know, at Banish to the Pen, we, we edit folks, but we mostly do copy stuff just because we don't want to step on people's toes and everybody's kind of equals there and that's the right way to approach it. But being... Working under the auspices where I turn something in and I know I'm going to get feedback, and if I—I I mean, you know, Sam's job is basically to call bullshit on me when I write something that doesn't <laughs> doesn't really stick. Uh, that's been so good for everything that I've done, and that's—I think <clears throat> it's like when you're scouting a you know a 14 year old in the Dominican who's played whatever Sammy Sosa used to do, broomsticks and milk cartons his whole life instead of actual baseballs. He's going to face way tougher competition as he grows, but he's also going to have way better instruction, equipment, nutrition, day-to-day everything to help him grow into a good baseball player. There's a much greater challenge in writing for prospectus because there are all of these people that I don't know reading my work for the first time. Uh, people who are willing to say, Hey, you're wrong. Or, you know, to kind of poo poo things or even to troll you. But there's also resources, you know, people who can help you out with stats and people who can counsel you on what you're writing. And then an editor who takes your piece and says, this is what's great about it. This is what needs work. And you work through it. Uh, there's a lot of, you get a lot better at something once you get a job like this where you have more resources, even though what you're being called to do is probably harder as well.
0: Well, and it's a great challenge as well. So, uh, Andrew, I've got a bunch of questions for Matt as well, but uh, you have anything to uh, jump in here?
1: Yeah, I, I was curious, you know, like the to kind of pick your brain a bit on on the transition from, from being a blogger to being on a major site and dealing with people who read your work as far as, you know, uh, like you said, some people come to troll you or some people – uh, you know, make really good points. Like, where do you draw the line between, like, uh, you know, I want to I want to have a discussion because it seems for the, you know, the time you've been a Baseball perspective, you've been engaging with people a lot, either in the comments or on Twitter. Um, is there any sort of – anything you've learned from trying to engage with people and you ever felt, uh, you know, overwhelmed or, you know, you ever had to kind of draw a line? Uh, but, you know, anything uh, – your thoughts on on dealing with the – big increase in readership well who even knows
2: how big the increase in readership is sometimes but (laughs) what it is is you know prospectus is obviously it's a great place to be it's it's like I don't know it's like college you know how everyone says when you go to college you're joining the real world but if you've been to college you know that you're not you're still kind of in the (laughs) bubble (laughs) and everybody comes from not the same background as you, but a pretty similar one, really. And, you know, a, a lot of the ideas don't change that much from high school and you're still living mostly off your parents' money. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm moving from only being read by people that I was writing with that banished to the pen or uh, who wrote similar stuff when I was doing my own thing before that and family members and people that i already kind of know to being read only by people who tend to think a lot like me in the first place because they're baseball prospectus subscribers uh that's a very smart smart group of people uh kevin goldstein used to talk about this all the time that he was just blown away by the demographic info and by the people that he'd meet when he'd go on book tour you know the go to book signings and all of those kinds of things they're really smart they're really receptive and they're really respectful. Um, There have been two or three comments that I've ended up kind of dropping a thread with because I just didn't know where else to go. And, you know, maybe I was banging my head against the wall, but I go into most of those thinking I'm able to go into most of those expecting to have an honest conversation about whatever I wrote because 99% of the time people are bringing you genuine criticism or a genuine reflection you know this is hey good idea here's what else i was thinking or i don't agree with this but here's why you know i i don't i haven't maybe gotten big enough to have a lot of the trolls coming out of the woodwork yet but i also don't think that a lot of that happened happens at prospectus so you know I, I love arguing and that's probably it's both a good and a bad thing <laughs> um you know that conversation element that Back and forth is really important, but you also don't want to become combative or just the badger who's always saying no just to say no. Well, uh, yeah, I like going back and forth with people. So so far, I've just enjoyed the hell out of it. Will there come a point where it starts to grind more? Who knows? I yes. guess. Who the knows answer's yes. The answers. It, yes. The answers. Always. You just can be just be one own person it. who crops yeah. up and, and makes it a headache. I guess. Uh, but I just. I love getting to talk more and more with more people. You know, the feedback is the thing that I most craved when I was just writing a blog that, seriously, a dozen hits was a decent day. <laughs>
0: um, well, in Peace Bowl, challenging your ideas makes you a smarter fan. It makes you reevaluate your takes and, and where you're at. I, I, I yeah. I'm hoping I'm relating by saying what I'm saying, but I think that makes you a smarter and better baseball fan by having people challenge you in in a smart, intellectual, you know, debate type of a way.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh,
0: Andrew, do you have any more questions? Because I got a couple of small ones before we kind of move on. No, you ran. right. Uh, question I'd like to ask, and I want to take Sam and Ben out of the equation because, you know, we love them on this and, and it sounds like Sam's kind of your boss. So if we can take the, the godfathers out of the equation, who's been the coolest person you've gotten to interact or talk baseball with on the site? Or who's been kind of the person that you were like, you know, I didn't know him that well, but wow, this has been—it's been really cool being able to talk with him a little bit. Or has there been anybody like that?
2: Uh, uh-huh. well, I mean, really everybody. You know, and I've, they'll, we send out an article, you know, an email thread once a week with the lineup card, so everyone can kind of claim a topic and start to figure out what we're going to write for that theme. Uh, so you get a little bit of interaction with everyone. Uh, Jeff Long's been nothing but nice to me, uh, and
0: been Maryland a good boy, all board right for
2: some ideas. Yeah,
0: represent Jeff. All right, <laughs> he used yeah. to do a great site, Baltimore Sports and or uh, Baltimore Sports and Life, I believe it is. Great site, great writer.
2: Yeah, and he's been, yeah, he's he's reached out to me proactively, and it's he's been a big help. Craig Goldstein, not as bad as everyone says. Craig's one really of the nice. greatest. Yeah. He's nice guy to, and, he's and fun actually, to pick on. Seriously, yeah, but seriously, he's he's a big help when you ask a question. He has an opinion and it's it's well informed and uh, but really, everyone, you know, also already... a,
0: Craig is also a quiet Casanova. Watch out with him with your ladies around. He's got some game. <laughs> let me tell you.
1: Well, uh, just start talking talk about sandwiches, he's got. The under, he's I'm telling
0: you, he's got underrated game. I'm just <laughs> telling you, right out there. I'm throwing it out
2: that's good to know
0: but that's great and uh, uh that's at least funny to hear because uh I tend to have the prospect guys more than anything else so it's fun to hear those stories and uh uh kind of what is uh what are you hoping to what's the next step what are you hoping to write about next you know and, and maybe not I'm not talking a week from now necessarily but what are you hoping to do three months from now six months from now where are you trying to take you know what you're writing about
2: yeah well I I I really don't know, you know, I'm not trying to fall into writing a lot of series or, you know, exploring the same trends multiple times. That stuff is probably better done by other people. You know, Russell can break down a statistical trend and and kind of figure out whether that, whether there's something real to it and what it means a little better than me. Um, at least most of the time, that's true. Um, I think what I'm trying to do is be very responsive. You know, I don't want to write, I'm not going to drop a name of a site or anything, but I don't want to be doing 400 word, keep up with the news type entries. I want to do analysis, but I also want to keep it grounded in kind of the day to day. Keep rolling things out, keep going quickly and staying timely while also. You know, basically, bring that what Prospectus tries to do—being smart and savvy and taking a stand. You know, at a certain, having a point of view, maybe not more than taking a stand. Uh, bringing that part to constant, uh, discussion of whatever's in the news around baseball. So that's the goal.
0: Well, that sounds great, and uh, I don't want to speak for the whole team, but. I'm going to, so sorry. But uh, we're very proud of you, Matt. You've been uh, definitely representing Banish to the Pen great. Uh, we're very proud of the work you're doing at BP. And, uh, you know, it makes us – shines a nice light on us as well. So uh, we're proud of you. Keep kicking ass and taking names. So we're proud of you.
2: Thanks. Yeah, Banish to the Pen has been buzzing too. We, uh, Ian Frazier, who's a BP intern right now, is doing this weekly Everything You Could Have Learned piece and uh every friday friday at noonish and if people don't check it out you absolutely should should be a staple quick rundown of all the really insightful sort of breakthrough stuff that came through uh on smart baseball sites over the past week but uh Stephen shaw i think has landed a couple three pieces there ben Suisse has put a piece there banished to the pen has been all over the place and uh you know, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, I don't want to do too much Barry Horowitzing, but but uh, pat ourselves on the back. We've done, a, I think the site's really doing some great things considering we've been together, what, four or five months now? I think it's really doing some great work. So, yeah. uh, guys, I don't want to be uh, too high on our horse here. We could, uh, you know, give us a lot of compliments over and over. But uh, before we get out of here, I did want to ask you guys your favorite baseball memory. Uh, we normally do, you know, Biggest Baseball Pet peeve, but we've had you on the show, so we've already kind of, knock that one out of the park so to speak so andrew i want to start with you on this one uh give you the floor do you have a favorite you know baseball memory
1: sure uh i'd love to say the time i hit a home run in little league but i never did so
0: you know you (laughs) could have just gone with the story too we would have we would have bought it yeah i'll make one up now. (laughs)
1: um no, I think, you know, there's a lot to choose from, but I'm going to go with uh, game four of the ALDS in 2012. Uh, that was the the first year the A's made the playoffs again. It was that crazy miracle run. Um, and I went to game three. It, you know, the, the nice thing about living in Oakland, the tickets are pretty cheap. So, like, I think I paid less than 50 bucks for each of my a- ALDS tickets. Um, so I went to game three. It was good. It was 2 nothing, But game four... You know, the, the A's were down to the Tigers. Um, in the bottom of the eighth inning, Moss comes up with a chance to, to tie the game, and he strikes out. And everyone was so excited, and everyone just sits down in their seats, like, literally, like, takes the air out of the stadium. Everyone just sums down, and we kind of start to think, like, because the A's are down uh, two games to one, and we're thinking, this is it. Or, this is the end of our season. And there's one guy in our sta- in our in our section that's like, come on, man, we're the A's. Like, we always win these games. You know, we had fifteen walkouts or whatever that season. <laughs> so I kind of begrudgingly stand up and I'm like, I guess he's right. And this is this could be my last time watching baseball. Uh, you know, for the A's. So I start, you know, cheering. And then the 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 bottom ninth comes and you know, we're still down by two. But then what do you know? Uh, you know, there's a couple guys get on base and then Seth Smith rips a double, and, you know, it was um, uh, Valverde in, and Valverde was pretty bad that season. Um, and after Seth Smith, you know, hit that double, the A's were still losing, but the whole stadium was going nuts. There was no doubt we were that the A's were going to win this game. Um, and then, you know, Chris comes up uh, with second and third, and he pokes a ground ball through the right side. It gets by, and then obviously Garcia... Donks the ball in right field. It goes under his glove, and they walk off again. It was the, it was the craziest game I've ever been to. It was so fun. Everybody's hugging each other. You know, they lost the next day, but that one game was like oh, it just it was the greatest feeling ever. The comeback in the ninth, just like that. It was like I, I felt like nothing could could stop this team. It was the most team of destiny feeling I've ever had, and it was just amazing fun as a fan.
0: That's a great great story. I remember that game, too. That was a great game. Yeah. Uh, Matt? I think I got 20
1: texts. People are like, are you watching
0: the game?
1: I'm like, man, I'm living it. Yeah, I'm
0: (laughs) I'm living it. Do you think I'm watching it? I'm living it. That's great. Uh, Matt, obviously, same question.
2: All right. So I actually, even as Andrew was telling his story, was trying to settle on one. I've got a few, like, you know, you ask me one day, it's A next day B and you know there're probably a half dozen of them but i'll just go with uh my first game which was i was 8 years old this is 1997 and uh my dad and i were going to go down for the last home game of the year at Wrigley which was we knew at the time Ryan Sandberg's last game we didn't know at the time but it was also Harry Carey's last game right uh, good point we we drive down i don't know you know and it probably stretches out and you never know what the real story is in your memory but at some point on the drive down we hit traffic and it i don't know if it threatened our ability to get to the game on time but it certainly didn't you know it certainly presented a problem but my dad was driving his i think his grandfather's maybe certainly his his father's if nothing else old truck and just we just kind of went around it all we were I don't know we were maybe on a shoulder I remember going across some (laughs) rumble strips uh it just felt like pure magic and and, you know probably was not a pleasant ride if you're not an eight-year-old who's just itching (laughs) to get to a baseball game but this is the first of a bunch of those rides and it was just amazing to me. And we get to the stadium though. And uh I guess you have to know this about me. I without any corrective lenses am legally blind and even with them don't see very well. And we got there and we had bleacher seats. We might even have bought them the same day. I don't know for sure. But they cost 4 dollars back then. And that's where we went, but I couldn't see very much from out there. Mm. Um So, you know, and this was my first game, so we didn't know that that would really be a problem, didn't have any binoculars or anything like that along. So we go down, and my dad goes to see if we can get an upgrade, and we ended up, I don't know, again, memory stretches and, you know, moves all around this until it's half memory and half fabrication, but... I seem to remember we were about six rows behind the visitor dugout, <laughs> and I have just the clearest picture in my mind of Rico Bronya stroking what I'm sure was nothing good at all because he was terrible. But he was playing for the Phillies, so that was okay. And uh, the Cubs won eleven to three, and Sandberg, you know, went out with such with all the hoopla that he was gonna get. And I remember, you know, I had become a Cubs fan just that season, watching on WGN and, you know, getting to look up at the booth and watch Harry sing the stretch. (laughs) And we went out to the park. This actually can't happen anymore, which is sort of sad. But we uh, went out after the game and stood alongside the fence by player parking. And, you know, this is it. I learned that it fluctuates a lot whether players come out to the fence to sign autographs, whether fans really collect there. But on that day, lots of guys were coming out and signing autographs and there were throngs of fans because it was the last home game of the season. So and they're all out there and people are shouting, "Hey, come on." And you know, some of them would come out and some wouldn't and but Sandberg came out and I was several rows back, you know, and I'm a little kid can't see over all these people most of them are yeah. probably adults although i can't remember for sure my dad actually put me on his shoulders i was eight years old but he put me on his shoulders and held me up there for a while and i'm reaching out and my dad is nudging me this is ryan Samberg. you know go <laughs> get this autograph man it's totally worth it i kind of tried and, again, I don't remember exactly how hard I tried. Maybe I screamed my lungs out. But it feels in my mind like he wasn't really what I was after. And then Sammy Sosa came out. And I was, you know, I probably I probably wrecked my dad's neck for life that day. Like, leaning and yelling and reaching for Sammy Sosa's autograph. And he, he actually, finally, he just kind of reaches out and takes the ball, signs the autograph, smiles at me, hands the ball back. He had gone 0 for 5 with 4 strikeouts that day. And, you know, people were so down on him. This was one year before the monster, you know, the thing that made him everyone's favorite player. But he was already my favorite player. Mm. <laughs> Hindsight, my dad was probably right. And I should have gotten Ryan, Ryan Sandberg's autograph. Uh, <laughs> not that I don't, you know, I, I still have a certain amount of love for Sosa. But it was it was just awesome. And, you know, now I have a pretty badly faded because we hadn't thought through all the elements of this, and I think it's a synthetic ball, and it's definitely a Sharpie that he signed in. <laughs> you know, it's not the prettiest autograph in the world, and it certainly isn't as valuable as Ryan Sandberg's autograph would be, but it's just awesome. You know, I've got this fantastic memento from a game that, you know, it's a corny as I'll get out father and son baseball thing but for today that's my favorite one
0: matt that's a great story you make me feel bad for
1: not picking my
2: father son story
0: (laughs) yeah i know i mean i almost picked
2: my playoff story so we can we'll swap next time we're on all right
0: (laughs) but matt that was a great story uh yeah definitely hit hit home for sure and uh so many fathers and sons i I know i can speak to that too so uh, just great story so uh guys before we get out of here uh i want to give you a spot to uh you know twitter where they can find your work and, and all that good stuff we'll start alphabetical to wrap up uh andrew
1: uh yeah i mean you can find me on vanish to the pen uh you can find me on twitter uh it's kind of a weird handle It's Zebedy18, Z zebedee 18 z e b e d e e I mostly tweet about the A's, uh, sometimes about video games or other things that I like. Um, but, you know, that's those are pretty much the two places.
0: He's a good follow. Tough to figure <laughs> out the name and the spelling, but he's a good follow. Definitely check him out. And uh, Matt, same thing? Sure.
2: It's M-A Trueblood on Twitter. Um, these days I mostly tweet a lot about baseball games. I'll have two or three games going through, you know, on the MOB.TV TV. Quad view or whatever. So that's mostly what you'll get. Uh, you can read my stuff at Baseball Prospectus. Uh, you can read it at once every four weeks at Jabo on Fox Sports, just a bit outside. And that'll actually be this Tuesday, so you can keep an eye out for that. Um, you can get a, oh, BP Wrigleyville, the local sites that Baseball Prospectus is. Introducing in steps and phases. So far, it's one for the Cubs, one for the Red Sox, and one for the Yankees. I write for the Cubs one. Uh, again, BPWrigleyVille.com. will redirect you there. And all of that is free. You don't need a Prospectus subscription for any of it. If you do want to get a Baseball Prospectus subscription, and you should, uh, go to Prospectus.com, BaseballProspectus.com. There's a banner at the top. Where you can click, and if you've never uh, done anything at DraftKings before, you can put a $10 deposit down there. Gets you, you know, you can play with that money. Plus, you get a free entry or two uh, in their competitions for starting up. And that $10 gets you a free one-year subscription to Baseball Prospectus, 75% off, even if you never do a thing with DraftKings. Uh, so, more than worth it. Everyone should do that. There's we're running out of even feasible excuses not to be a baseball prospectus subscriber, but I might be biased, <laughs> but those are the, no. those are the big things. And, uh, yeah, Twitter is where I do a lot of my interacting. So reach out.
0: Well, like I said, well, we're I very proud of the work you're doing, Matt. And, uh, Andrew, you've been crushing on, uh, banished to the pen as well. So, uh, I want to thank you guys both for joining me tonight. Uh, think we did a pretty solid hour of baseball coverage frankly and uh covered a lot of topics in a short amount of time so uh thanks guys uh good to talk to you and i hope to uh have you back on here relatively soon
1: great yeah thanks yeah it's been a pleasure thanks a lot
0: and that was episode 17 of the banished to the pen podcast with andrew patrick and matt trueblood thanks again to both of them for joining me tonight. Uh, I really think that was a fun episode, and we got to cover a lot of topics in a short amount of time. So thanks, guys. Uh, also, as I do each week, uh, I'd like to publicly thank everybody at Banished to the Pen. We've got you know editors, writers, contributors, you know technical staff. We've got so many people with so many different roles. Podcasts. We can throw me in the program if we can. Uh, a lot of people working very hard, and uh, I think we're doing some really quality work, and uh, we're starting to see you know a lot of people on the internet taking an uh an interest in what we're doing so i think that's a real credit to all of our work and all of our hard you know diligence and efforts so uh congrats guys good work with that this episode is a wrap guys i am your host ryan sullivan at natsgm.com on twitter reminding you be nice to your fellow listeners